Hi everybody, welcome to Wrong Term Memory. As always, my name is Jack. And my name's Colin. How are you this week, Jack? You good? Yeah, I am Superman. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. It's um, proper wintry, Christmassy, festive times coming up now, isn't it? It's getting cold. Christmas lights are starting to appear. It's it's getting nice, actually. I quite like it. Yeah, and we also got our first paycheck, basically, from Patreon, which is absolutely brilliant. So we need to thank all the guys that have signed up. We need to double figures, which is brilliant. It covered the hosting costs. And what are you spending your tenor on, mate? Um, salt and chilli chicken balls. Yeah, I'm going to put it towards a PlayStation 4 remote because I've got a new game called Ghost of Tsushima, right? So it's about a samurai, so there's stealth involved, right? But the left analogue stick pushed up like, all the time. So I'd imagine like that's happened to people before. So you'd be sneaking up and I about stab fuck out of them. And then you would just like walk at the bushes, man, and you would get caught. So it was a bit of a pain in the ass. So I'll put it towards uh, one of them. Because actually, I, I bought one and it bought within a day. Um, they actually, you've seen this before? I've actually got the wee card beside me. You ever bought something from Amazon and they've sent a card? Uh, the company saying, um, we'll give you £5 if you leave a five star review. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the ones that are up to that. Yeah, dodgy, well, isn't it? Sneaky bastards. So I, I left a five star review. Uh, and then it broke so I'm going to email them the 5 star review and they offer £10 for a video review so I'm going to ask them for the £10 or I'm going to change my review to all 1 stars because well they're blackmailing me so I'm going to blackmail them the masters yeah, quite right quite right yeah so uh, let's don't play the Playstation a lot but again uh, thanks to the, the patrons we don't want to rank our listeners mate but let's be honest who's the best at the moment, it's the executive producers that we call out on every show because we couldn't do it without them. So, Ross Barnett, Mark Brown, and Robert McMillan. Absolute <laughs> heroes. Yes, absolute heroes. This is a weird question. I'm speaking directly to you here, Ross. I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, History Hit, right? Because you know how that's what I'm, that's all I do now is listen to History Podcasts. And there was an interview with a guy called Ross Barnett. Now, it's a pretty common name, I think, but it was a Scottish guy that came on. And he was a a scientist that dealt with DNA and he specialised in cat DNA, right? And it was so fucking interesting. Ross, see if you're that guy. Let us know, because I really want to speak to you on this (laughs) podcast. If you're just another Ross Barnett, let us know anyway. We want to speak to you because, like he says, um, you're an exec producer and you are a top potato. Colin, you put out a competition for our hashtag WTM Pies competition that we do every week and you get quite a lot of entries. You know how to get the interactions going, mate. So what was the question and we'll go through some of the entries and announce our winner. So I posted the theme tune to the kids' TV show The Raccoons and I asked people to reply with a kids' TV theme tune that was better. Uh, now, in my opinion, there aren't any better, Jack, uh, but lots of people disagreed. We've got 24 entries, um, a whole kind of wide selection and varied choices of kids' TV shows, um, some right good memories here, actually. But we did pick one uh, that was going to win, but I think you wanted to go through some of the other ones, didn't you? Well, I wanted to go through them all, basically, um, because we're going to do a bit about the dark side of kids' TV and some of the fucked-up premises that kids' TVs is it like based upon basically? But we'll, we will get there. I'm going to go through them all. I don't have the names for everybody that entered, but I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more doubling up. You know what I mean? Like 24 entries, and there was only the banana splits. 
that got two votes. Maybe people are actually reading other people's comments and actually trying to be unique now. Well, maybe, maybe. It takes long enough. Yeah, so we'll start with, we'll just, we'll, yeah, we'll do three or four at a time. So we'll get DuckTales, CatDog, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Captain Pugwash. I don't, I don't know what cat dog is. Cat dog's a, a creature that's half cat, half dog. See, I've seen a picture of it and it's like two heads and four legs. Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen a picture of it, but I've never seen it in my life. Um, I enjoyed DuckTales, I enjoyed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like I think everybody in their sort of mid-30s would have. Who was your favourite turtle? Mike, uh, I don't know, Dodd one? Michelangelo. Yeah, I think him. Because he was like the, the Joker, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like the... Aye, he was always cracking the jokes. Um, so uh, probably him. Let me guess yours. Uh, Donatello. No, not Donatello, definitely not. All right, I don't know why I thought that then. Right, go then. Raphael. Right, okay, fair enough. Fair enough, man. Uh, like I said, the banana split's got two votes. Rhubarb and Custard, Jamie and the Magic Torch, and Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Not seen any of them either, mate. Really? So, Jamie and the Magic Torch, he had a torch that he shone on the ground and he could, like, go places. Um, oh, right, okay, that vaguely rings a bell, actually. Right. Um, the Gummy Bears was kind of a bit like DuckTales type thing. Um, it was a, a mad bear type guy that wore a hat. Um, it was quite popular. It used to be on ITV in the Saturday mornings. Maybe I've just... I've either got a really bad memory or didn't watch an awful lot of cartoons when I was younger. I don't know. I must have watched cartoons. That's all you do when yeah. you're a fucking kid. Yeah, that's all you watched. Yeah, I didn't watch Muppet Babies either. I did watch The Hurricanes. That was suggested. And vaguely remember Arthur as well. Um... You take the next ones, mate. Yeah. Uh, so the next one was Ulysses Thirty One, which was like a a mad Japanese thing, which was yeah, a bit weird. No. Uh, the Muppet Show, which was class. Yeah. Um, Top Cat, cracking theme tune. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the police? Do you remember the police officer's name in Top Cat? Uh, no, off the top of my head, no. It's uh, Constable Dibble. Constable Dibble. There we are. Godzilla, the trapdoor, and Hong Kong Fury. Don't you open that trapdoor? That's another good one. I remember Hong Kong Fu, I don't remember the other two. Thundercats was, a, I think, probably, in my opinion, the, the, the best. Not the best cartoon, but the best theme tune out of these. And really? I do apologise to the person that entered who put in Thundercats for them not winning. Uh, we'll get to the winner in a minute. But yeah, I really, I, maybe it's because I, I remember watching Thundercats. Could be. Um, that's came back. It's coming back. It's came back as well recently because I know He Man's just came back on Netflix, and there's supposed to be some Thundercat stuff happening as well. Um, I quite like the next pervert that just shows Melanie and Martina rather than the actual game show Funhouse that they were on. Um, oh, right, right, okay, right. Yeah, uh, he shows the twins from Funhouse. Did they have a show? No, they just were twins on Funhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew that, and that guy probably would have won. <laughs> um, but this I mean, next one's the only one that you don't remember. Yeah, the only one I don't remember is the Hair Bear Bunch. Not sure who they are. Didn't know of it. It must be a girly thing. Um, right. The next one is the Australian Haunted Lighthouse. Have you ever, ever felt like this? Um, around the twist. Uh, dog Tanyon and his Musketeers. He was a dog. And then Mysterious Cities of Gold. Um, so, right, really good stuff there. Yeah, the winner this week is Paul Tate for suggesting Fraggle Rock. And the only reason 
that he won is because I remember singing the song at school. Down mm-hmm. at Fraggle Rock, grab that Fraggle by the cock, swing it round your head. Now that Fraggle's dead, grab another one, stick a something up his bum. Something, 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 I can't remember. Oh, I nearly got there, I nearly got to the end of it. I nearly will, yeah. That's... What did you stick up his bum and you turn it on and that was the Fraggle gone? Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Someday, I'm sure we'll know. So please, please. Um, yeah, let us know on the Twitter. See, it's probably one of those things that I'd imagine sort of different schools would have different versions of that. But I think it was pretty common. Grabbing it by the cock and just <laughs> swinging it, swing it around your head till it's dead, man. Like, uh, I don't. We had the Fraggle Rock, like, as yeah, a... Yeah, I quite, I quite liked Fraggle Rock. The theme mm-hmm. tune kind of grabbed you, and the fact that it kind of showed you the sort of workshop place where the Fraggle Master lived, and then it all kind of zoomed into their little world and all the wee volcanoes and caves and all that. It was... I quite liked, I quite liked Fraggle Rock, yeah. Same production company as the Muppets, no? I was a, it was a Jim Henson thing, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do they right. these wee soldier guys that were quite cool as well? well I don't like this. don't remember. don't remember them off the top of my head, but... Yeah, well done, Paul Tate. Can you DM us your details, basically? Uh, and if you send us a picture of the front and the back of your card as well, mate, that would be fantastic. But uh, <laughs> nobody's fell for that one yet, mate. Right, the dark side of cartoons, basically, is what we're going to do. So this is from screenrant.com. And basically, it's an article called 15 Kids TV Shows with Shockingly Dark Premises. So, as always, mate, kind of unoriginal content from us, but we're going to sort of batter through these because generally um, kids' TV is full of innocence, adventure, a little bit of whimsy and stuff like that. But a lot of them are sort of based on pretty fucked up premises. Now, what's the first thing that jumps to your head when you think of like a, a sort of fucked up kids' cartoon? Mengs is Ren and Stimpy, and it is on this list. I remember that being fucked up, even as a youngster. Um, I'm not sure which one in particular, but I tend to always think about people that people that are making these cartoons are just fucking out their face on drugs the whole time they're making them. Well, and see, that's why you find so many of these things. Well, see, that's the thing. And I remember reading a an interview with a, a cartoon maker, and he used to get really pissed off when people said, what well, you think our creativity and our imagination needs to be fueled by drugs. And it's quite a diss to, like, a, a writer, if you say that, basically. Like, well, I, I still presume that some of them are absolutely off their bonds, you know what I mean, like, out of their tree. But generally, they're like, no, I came up with that normally. I'm a creative person. I don't Is that not just because they don't want to admit they're not a mad pill fiend? Maybe, maybe. Talk about pilfings. <laughs> uh, I remember reading like uh, Frankie Boyle's. Was it Frankie Boyle's autobiography? Anyway, do you know the guy Miles Jupp, the sort of posh comedian guy? He, yes. he very much lives up to like he, he plays that role of being a a posh guy that looks down on, on commoners and stuff like that. He used to present play school or play days or something like that. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, him and Frankie Boyle used to sort of tour together or whatever while he was on kids' TV. He'd be doing stand-up at night. And they used to, well, Frankie Boyle and him used to sit and get full of ecstasy 
So that guy used to stay up all night after gigs, full of Eki, and go straight into work in the morning and present fucking play school at like six in the morning or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely out of his tree. So And nobody realised. Nobody particularly realised, no. Uh, right, okay, we'll dive straight in at number 15, mate, with The Wild Thornberries. Did you watch it? Not religiously, but I did see it a fair few times. They all they all had really weird faces. I just get my take away from uh, The Wild Thornberries. Aye, the dad had a huge fucking nose, yeah. The dotted um, braces, and there was a wee monkey that used to run about, like, in human clothes. Yes, it? he did, and uh, the, the dad was voiced by Tim Curry. Uh, which yeah, was he was. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think the main premise was about the the daughter Eliza, who was, was able to talk to animals, basically. And the whole idea was they went around the world making these nature documentaries, and they became pretty good at it because she could talk to the animals and tell them what to do. Um, but it used to get complicated because the animals would talk back and tell her all their troubles, basically. Well, that's it. So all these animals would talk back to Eliza and express these really sort of complex feelings and their emotions and shit, obviously in English senses. So basically that means that every animal on Earth is a sentient being with hopes, dreams. It's capable of complex reasoning. Now think about the way that humans treat these animals. And the really fucked up part was the wee lassie couldn't tell anybody. No, because she would lose her gift if she did. Yeah, yeah so, so she, yeah. she had all this knowledge that could save all these animals' lives, change their lives basically. But as soon as she told somebody she'd lose it, then she wouldn't have the knowledge anymore, so she couldn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty awful. And then another thing was like, it was never made clear, as far as we know, if uh, the wee lassie was even a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, she probably wasn't, to be fair. Well, she um, being a vegetarian, I don't understand. <laughs> but I, so she's speaking to all these fucking monkeys and fucking giraffes and shit like that, and they're opening their heart to her. And she can't tell anybody. And then she goes up the road and has a burger. She <laughs> <laughs> yeah. says, tells a cow, I'm going to eat you. Yeah, you're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I was going to say you're a fucking cow there, but that sounds really <laughs> fucking derogatory, man. Um, even if you are speaking to a cow. <laughs> the next one, mate, is that I never, this is something I've never seen or watched. Although I did watch the film version of it. And the only reason I watched the film version of it was because years ago, how was the first one of us to get a 3D telly. Right. And The Last Airbender was like the 3D launch movie, basically, on Sky. It's like, oh, watch this. It was fucking shit. <laughs> it was terrible, man. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I haven't. This this is the sort of thing I'll actively avoid. Yeah. Um, so tell uh, us a lot about the cartoon, but because this boy's had a cunt of a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been on the telly for 20 years or so and it obviously spawned the films and stuff like that. The main guy is this lad, lad's this lad called ATLA and he's an air nomad uh, named Ang. And he's the only one on the planet who can control or bend um, the, main four, <laughs> the main four elements of nature, mm. which are air, water, fire and earth. So it's a, it's a Captain Planet fucking ripoff, basically. <clears throat> um, but basically, before the show started, the story is that he froze himself in the ocean for a hundred years following an attack by a fire nation that wiped out all these other people. This all happened when he was just 12. Um, <laughs> so the story Good basically is, right, this wee bastard was 12, <laughs> went to sleep in the sea for a hundred years, woke up, everybody ever knew he was dead, 
his whole culture was dead. Um, the world is now completely under control of the people that killed everybody he knows. And it looks like it was his fault. Um, and then the, the stories basically start, but it's just a weird thing that I never get into. Never, I never give it a chance to if it's old. No, I don't think I would ever have turned it on. Like, see, like it's mad because you go, that, that's been on for 20 years, and you think, that's fucking ages. But you were 17, 20 years ago. You would never put this on. <laughs> right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. You well, think you know, it like no, that? I've always liked kids' TV and kids' cartoons and all that sort of stuff. So if it was good, I probably would have still seen it. So right. I don't know. It's But you're right. Like 20 years ago is only 2001, which is fucking mental. Because in, in my head, still, 20 years ago is 1980. So <clears throat> I t- no, 20 years ago to me is still sort of early 90s. Eh? Yeah, it's just mental. Right, Thomas the Tank Engine, we all know that. Um, you probably remember it. Pretty harmless piece of preschool level entertainment designed basically to sell toy trains. Uh, Thomas and his friends had an unfortunate case of creepy dead eyes, which they did. Have you ever seen the My Jim will draw it? Yes, he does. He did that one, didn't he? He does the, the, the sort of flesh Thomas the Tank Engines, like human Thomas the Tank Engines. Say we fucked up, but it's funny. Like the core values basically are like the importance of friendship, the value of teamwork, and all that sort of shit, right? You would yes. think so, anyway. But uh, the actual elements of the show and spin-offs are uh, racism, uh, vying for mercurial love of a tyrannical overlord, and shunning those who lack value to the state. So Thomas and the rest of the upper crust, basically the posh guys on the island of Sodor. I never knew it was called that. That's where they stayed. Uh, are steam engines basically, and they are actively encouraged to uh, bully fuck basically out of the diesel trains because they are different and shit. Did you know that the fat controller is called something else? Well, like he actually has a name. Uh, yeah, I know he's called something else. I can't remember what it is, but I mean, he's not even called the fat controller anymore. They've changed that because it's not PC to call them that anymore. He's, he's called um, he's called Mister Shiny Buttons or something now. Right, okay, his, his real his original name was Sir Tofen Hat, oh, basically. Okay. So he he basically rules Sodor with his iron fist, and basically relegates machines that he considers less than useful to the hellish smelters yard to be melted down for materials, basically. So. It's a little bit fucked up. It's more, it's not sort of fun times. It's more sort of brutal iron allegory for the difference of capitalism. I'm <laughs> just getting explained as, but uh, at least the trains are fun, mate, yeah. Um, so, so, see, when I was a toddler, um, I don't remember it all that well, but according to my mum, my life was Thomas the Tank. Like, I was obsessed by it. Um, I used to like she used to have to buy me the toys when we were out shopping to keep me quiet in the shopping trolley and all that sort of stuff. Um, I went missing twice as a child because of Thomas the Tank. Um, I dropped one of the, the the two the two um, carriages that Thomas pulls are called Annabelle and Clarabelle, and I dropped Clarabelle I think it was in Marks and Spencers in the town, and I got up and went looking for it and no one lost sight of me and I went missing in the Marks and Spencers in the town. And I did the exact same thing in our supermarket like a month later because I lost a <laughs> Thomas the Tank toys. Um, apparently, I was obsessed. Yeah, I remember getting lost and it would have been Safeway back in the day. You know, if you head into Renfrew, mm-hmm. like before you sort of get to the town centre, 
basically like past Bray head up that way. There used to be a big safety there. And I don't know why, but I wandered away and I remember my name getting announced over the tannoy with my mum in a, a complete panic. And then the other time I got lost was I was playing with a, a bigger boy, basically, when I was like five. And he decided to borrow my bike, in a sense. He's like, can I get a shot of your bike? I thought, cool. Um, and he just kept, like, cycling away. Like, he it was, it was not stealing it, but he was just cycled away from me. And I just followed him. And the police and shit were out looking for me, yeah, when I was about five. On Shield, on Shield Hall Road, which you'll know, I suppose, sort of on your way to Ibrox, basically. Yeah, I know where it is, yeah. Yeah, I walked all the way up there, and I used to stay... I think I got about two miles away from the house or something. Before the, pol- the, before the police found like a five-year-old just walking in like one of the busiest roads in Glasgow, basically. Because <laughs> a bigger boy had um, took a shot of my bike in inverted commas. Next one, mate. Uh, have you ever watched this one? Courage the um, Cowardly Dog. I've seen, a bit, I've seen bits of Hello, friends. Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Runter Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will so check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows ad free and lots of bonus content love it yeah i mean some of these are a little bit modern but yeah. I, have, I have seen bits of this one on the tv yeah uh... tell us a little bit about it then so this is people do think this is one of the darkest ones at all uh, of all. Uh, Courage the cowardly dog. Um, basically, a quite intelligent, gifted lav- uh, lavender-coloured dog, sort of pink-looking thing. Yeah. Uh, lives in a fictional town called Nowhere in Kansas. Which is, <laughs> That's which pretty is, uh, dark owners. already, man. Yeah. Um, he was abandoned when his parents were forcibly shot into space by a crazed vet. I've not read this. Because of this loss to his parents, he has a very high value, has a great value based on the integrity of family. Right. And he really tries really hard to protect his owners from the various monsters, aliens, and demons that come every episode to try and kill them, basically. Um, he deserves, basically, he, sorry, he develops this sort of way of non verbal communication to warn them about danger coming. <laughs> and um, what happens is he warns them of the danger and it's him that ends up copping it all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's reward for protecting his owners as getting tortured by one yeah. of them. <laughs> basically, yeah, he, he takes he takes the worst of it, but basically all the time. Psychologically um, and physically. Fucking hell. Yeah. And he's got a he's got a computer that he uses that helps him communicate. But the <laughs> the biggest irony in the show apparently is that his computer's sentient and hates him and plots against him. <laughs> <laughs> His computer hates him. Oh, poor dog man. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, number 11, mate, Voltron. This is, looks like one of these cartoons I'd never watched in a million years. Legendary Defender, basically. Uh, another success for Netflix. Uh, it's original content, basically. It's a rehash of the 1980s series Voltron Defender of the Universe. The original series was basically, again, like a lot of cartoons back in the day, 
focused on selling toys. Um, the show itself was sort of cobbled together from pieces of Japanese property called Beast King Go Lion. But the new Voltron has an intricate and dark back story. Right? Uh, Voltron is a 100 metre tall robot composed of five smaller lion mechas and is the defender of the universe. It's a super weapon built by a technologically advanced alien race called the Atlians. There we are. Prior to the events of the series, the sinister Galra Empire destroyed planet Altair, forcing its leader to dismantle Voltron and disperse his constituent parts across the universe. His daughter and heir were placed into status with her retainer Corin, waiting for new pilots worthy of Voltron. Basically, genocide. Um, almost all of these Atlans are dead. Fucked, basically. Um, so yeah, it looks wacky and fun, but it sounds, it sounds pretty dark, yeah, pretty, pretty hefty psychological baggage by the sounds of it for kids to deal with it, but like, this is, like I said, this is Screen Rant, so kids don't give a fuck, man. Like, it's a robot. That's it's a robot, cool. it's bright colours, that's noisy. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. they don't give a fuck. Oh, here's Pink in the Brain, man. Yeah. I enjoyed this. Like, I, I think I could probably go back and watch this. Tell us about it. So, Pinky and Brain, probably one of the most famous theme songs. Actually, I'm surprised they never came up in the yeah. in the quiz for the for the pies. Basically, this show follows the exploits of two genetically enhanced mice, as one of them tries to take <laughs> over the world. Um, however, he them. often fails due to Pinky being a fucking moron, um, <laughs> and that makes it hard. Um, they then try again the next night to do it. But the kind of the hook in the show, Jack, is that. They were actually created at this place called Acme Lab by monsters, right? And they're actually used and treated every day for scientific experiments. Um, and the people that do it know that Pinky and the brain are fully sentient, they're intelligent, they know what's happening to them. Yet every day they basically mutate them and do awful shit to them and stuff like that, uh, all in the name of science, which kind of explains why every night they try and take over the world and become free. Well, that's it. It kind of, it kind of explains why... Brain is a fucking maniac. Like getting tortured all day by these scientists that obviously know what they've done to these um, two mice is pretty fucked up. So I always want, I kind of did always want want them to succeed, uh, but obviously the hook is. <laughs> I'm just looking at the picture, man. Oh. Pinky's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like an idiot, doesn't he? Did, um, did, did they succeed in the last ever episode? Like, did something happen at the end? For uh, them? I don't know, mate. To be honest with you, like, uh, it's not like something I watched from start to finish. It was just something that I really enjoyed, and it's really put me in the mood to sort of download it or find it somewhere <laughs> and see if I still enjoy it. To be fair, so I may go, maybe go back to it. Right, uh, number nine, mate, is one that everybody knows. The most memeable cartoon, probably, on the planet, and that is SpongeBob SquarePants. Where does he, where does he live, Jack? Uh, it's in front of me somewhere, bikini something. And a pineapple under the sea. Right. I bet it's, it's, it's actually called something. Bikini we'll Bottom. Right, so what could, what could be wrong with SpongeBob SquarePants? He's upbeat, he's a sponge, he's a joyous presence. Um, Kids love him, and he will be a cherished memory for a lot of adults, basically. And he loves like there as Bikini Bomb um, have brightened the day of countless people, especially SpongeBob. But 
we need to really ask ourselves why is SpongeBob so happy, Colin? Well, let's, yeah. let's drill down into the facts of his life. Yeah, he probably shouldn't be happy, mate, because he lives a pretty solitary existence all alone, apart from a pet snail, which I suppose is the sea version of just a cat. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, his age is never made clear, but he's old enough to live on his own and have elderly parents. So you've got to assume that, at least from a development point of view and a brain point of view, he's at least mid to late 20s. <laughs> so he knows what's going on, but he's also severely mental, unstable. He has mad mood swings. He can't <laughs> drive. Um, so much so that he actually seems to have to develop learning disability when he tries to drive boats. Um, his it's, the way, who, it's the way they've put it there. Borderline learning <laughs> disability. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he's got a neighbour who he thinks is one of his best friends but the neighbour actually can't stand him um, he works as a fry cook with no hope for any career advancement uh, despite his boundless creative energy and wanting to do something about it um, he really should be on antidepressants <laughs> but either that or he's fucking hitting buckets man <laughs> but yeah I've never watched a single episode of Spongebob Squarepants but I've seen loads of TikToks about it like why aren't you in uniform and all that sort of stuff yeah. Um, never watched the series in my life though. Never certainly haven't seen the film or anything. Nah, me neither, mate. Me neither. But like I say, it's so memeable, basically. The next one is Ah Real Monsters, something that I've never seen, but it was always intended to be a pretty creepy show. The main plot follows these three monsters, uh, Ickis, Oblina, and Crum, as they train to become expert scarers. So it sounds a little bit like Monsters Inc. So it does, far, doesn't it? Uh, the monsters live underneath a landfill in what appears to be New York City and many devote their lives to scaring human beings. When you break it down the seemingly juvenile premise, it turns out to be uh, legitimately fucking terrifying. So these monsters exist as a whole race of horrifying beings devoted to tormenting humanity. They've got a complex economy basically based on the collection of human toenails oh. uh, and appear to be born in a thing called the Pool of Elders which is a sort of primordial collection of fear. <laughs> That's fucked up. From where monsters uh, derive their existence. Uh, they seem to have evolved s- specifically, again, to interact with humans. Uh, Oblina, for example, can induce nightmares by sticking her finger in people's ears and tickling their brain, basically, when they sleep. So that's why that's why <laughs> fucking nightmares. Uh, a sentient race of individuals capable of inducing neurological damage <laughs> through sheer instinct. <laughs> Beneath the streets of New York City, why anyone ever thought that would be appropriate for children? Fuck knows. This next one, mate, like, this is like one of the biggest cartoons ever. It's one of the sort of original sort of I want to say Nicktoons. I don't even know if it was on fucking Nickelodeon, but it was, hey, Arnold, it was very much a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how it is kind of fucked up. <laughs> um, so Hey Arnold um, was a pretty on the face of it happy TV show. Uh, people seemed to like it. Arnold had his mad shaped face and stuff like that. Um, however, if you look at it from an adult's point of view, <clears> there are some kind of problems with his where he lives and what goes on in it. So, for example. There's a guy in the show called Harold, um, who was his classmate, a Jewish fella. And when he celebrated his bar mitzvah on the show, that would have been a lot of people's first exposure to kind of the world of Judaism for the first time. Um, but the thing is, Harold's in the fourth grade, which means he's 13 years old in the fourth <laughs> grade. Right. 
He should be <laughs> nine, right? <laughs> um, he's also he's one of two thirteen-year-olds in Arnold's class. Another one is this guy called Torvald, a large and aggressive guy with an apparent learning disability <laughs> who barely even bothers showing up for class at times. Um, <laughs> you've got a show here which is making fun of people that are disabled and the Jewish community, <laughs> basically saying they're stupid. Um, there's it's backstories in the, in the show as well, a lot of organised crime, immigrants, school budget shortages, <laughs> all sorts of stuff, basically about poverty and inner city crimes. And basically the challenge is of just having it run a school and what happens in it. And mm. I genuinely don't think any child watching this realises what a shitty world they're watching. No, no, I don't think so, right. This Adventure Time is at number six here, right? And I know adults that watch this and they, they swear by it being a great cartoon. Again, I've never watched a minute of it, but these uh, cunts stay in the land of ooh, like just three O's. It's a mystical... <laughs> Hello friends, Colin here, the looks, the charm and the brains behind Drunk Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate Life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrongtermemory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content. A place full of wonder and excitement, the main stage of Cartoon Network's Adventure Time. Uh, it's kind of like, um, similar to... It kind of looks like a bit like what's that? Rick and Morty kind of looks a wee bit like that. Yeah, um, just not of this world, really. Just yes, that's it. I do yeah. like Rick and Morty, but Rick and Morty is pretty good. And I do watch that. So the title um, hints at the dark nature of this magical environment. Finn, the human, uh, is the only human left in the planet. So Adventure Time takes place in this sort of post-apocalyptic world after death has been absolutely ravaged <laughs> by nuclear war. It's a common theme in these shows, isn't it? Yeah, it's not just humankind as a whole that has had a rough time of it, however. Finn was abandoned by his father, his father, <laughs> his father, and his mother is absolutely nowhere to be seen. He's constantly exposed to danger, both mystical and metaphysical, <laughs> undergoes physical and mental abuse with a reasonable amount of consistency, and he's 12 years old again. So. <laughs> At its core, it's a story of a human, a human child trying to grow up in a world that is inherently alien and hostile towards him. It hates him. Um, so it's not not really um, suitable, really. Like, imagine being... I was going to say imagine being a 12-year-old stuck in a world like that, but, um, yeah, pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up thing. Right, top yeah. five, mate. Ren and Stimpy, with that. Ren and Stimpy, um, yeah, so I, I know some people that love Ren and Stimpy, but it's, it's, I'm not one of them. Um, this is kind of the, the Nickelodeon kind of holy trinity with Rugrats and Doug. Yeah. Um, I'm sad Doug's not on this because that's got the best theme tune. But Ren and Stimpy was basically probably the thing that made South Park and Beavis and Butthead possible, I'd probably say. Yeah, and probably. Uh, it probably defined... Sexual innuendo, adult humour, 
and a bit of flapstick, uh, slapstick. Sorry, <laughs> flapstick. Uh, I prefer flapstick. that. Yeah, flapstick <laughs> as well. Uh, and the um, terms of an animated show aimed at children, but with mad jokes that adults can get as well. Um, Ren and Stimpy are basically a chihuahua and a cat. I couldn't. Main, I, I couldn't have told you that, mate. Before, I, like, I didn't know that that's what they were. Uh, I don't think I did either. A chihuahua um, and a house cat. No, I thought they were just two like creatures. Sorry. Yeah, yeah no, that's right. Um, I think I knew one of them was a dog, but I probably couldn't have told you which one. Um, They are mentally unstable. They're often homeless. (laughs) Um, They have mad nightmares almost every day. Uh, Ren has uh, problems assaulting people. He just does it all the time, just battles people. And Stimpy, who's actually quite a nice fella, uses mind control, though, to get what he wants. Um, When you watch the show back, it does seem like an absolute bad trip, or what I imagine a bad trip to feel like. And you can only imagine that Ren and Stimpy messed up some young kids that watched it not knowing what they were doing. Yeah, we've got Rocket Power at number four, which was another Nickelodeon cartoon, very much in the same drawing style as Rugrats. And these kids from Rocket Power, Otto, Reggie, Twister, and even a guy called Squid. Uh, Squid <laughs> game, by the way. <laughs> if you like that, player four, five, six, just fling that in there. Uh, had a pretty idyllic life. Spent most days playing outside, sports, games with their friends. Uh, they got to hang out with Tony Hawk, which was cool, and even qualified for the X Games, uh, all the while enjoying their abundant Californian sunshine and basically no adult supervision. You think about it, but uh, the last part's kind of weird. Where the fuck are the parents? Like, ever. Uh, the gang <laughs> and Rocket Power seem to have unlimited permission to engage in high-level extreme sports with little to absolutely no adult involvement. Uh, the most <laughs> the most concerned party seems to be the Rockets' crotchety neighbour, Melv Simpleton. <laughs> what a name. He's often portrayed as the antagonist to adults. Uh, we see the most, however, as Raymond or Raimundo Rocket, the father of Otto and Reggie. Raimundo uh, seems to have had a complete breakdown after the death of his wife. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I, I, I can't not laugh when somebody dies, man. Sorry. <laughs> it's just... I just can't. He basically lets his children do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> He's gave up. He's like, ah, fucking do it, you man. This yeah. is like a show to really tell kids, like, listen, if you become an orphan, you're fucked. <laughs> right, Your mum's got cancer? Me. Oh, shit. Nah, Your well, life's about to get bad. Yeah. Huff glue if you want. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, this next one's fucking weird. Um, Invader Zim, it's called. Um, apparently an enduring symbol to emo kids everywhere, which is why I won't know about it, Jack. You probably had all the toys. Um, I was right into it, mate. I've got, I've got, I've got a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have seen tattoos like this on emo. fucking goths. Aye, basically. Aye. Yeah, Casper Kent probably watches this. Um, <laughs> Wanks furious. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the few shows on Nickelodeon designed for kind of the older kids. Uh, Invader Zim uh, stars an emotionally insecure and cruel alien protagonist called Zim as he attempts to conquer Earth with his advanced technology. He's quite diminutive in stature, but he infiltr- infiltrates human society by joining just a normal school and <laughs> becomes pals with a young guy called Dib Membrane. <laughs> a conspiracy theorist obsessed with the occult and the extraterrestrial. Andy? <laughs> it could be Andy, actually, yeah. Um, if Andy wasn't a gimmick, as we established this week. Um, <laughs> that, that's an insane premise for someone to digest, let alone someone who can't even watch a PG-13 movie yet. Um, basically, there's, there's a scenario in this TV show where aliens are revealed to be real, 
and all they want to do is conquest and take over the UK, <laughs> take over the world. They can make they can make themselves look like a normal people. They can blend in amongst us, and the visuals and some of the scenes are quite torturous and pretty disturbing by all accounts. And this show definitely gave children nightmares. That's uh, that's it. Rocco's Modern Life. I do kind of remember this being pretty fucked up. So again, a landmark Nickelodeon show all the way back in. 1993-94-it-came-out-it-was-intended-to-be-accessible-yeah-to-both-children-and-adults-the-show-may-have-wound-up-being-decidedly-more-popular-with-children-no-but-they-were-definitely-some-very-very-adult-moments-today-Rocco
you know, there's these all these wankers that dress up as My Little Pony and stuff like that. The, the Bronies. The Bronies, mate. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised there's not like a Care Bear equivalent of that as well. Oh, there's a Bob's Burger episode. Did you watch Bob Burgers? No, I never watched it. Mate, it's all right, honestly. Um, but uh, they've got a full episode about the Bronies. Um, it's quite interesting because they just take the piss out of them. But yeah, uh, Care Bears, I was really sort of surprised that that went in there. But yeah, if they're a bunch of raping bears, I suppose. They should be top crossed. Because <laughs> there's no chance you can fucking hot like you can't fight a bear back. If a bear tries to rape you, you're getting raped. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, well, if you want to win the pies this week, tell us how you would defend yourself against a cute bear. <laughs> <laughs> fucking That's not the real competition. That's not the real quiz. <laughs> uh it's not. We'll put that out uh, Monday tea time and if we can get as many entries as we did last week, that would be that would be great. Um, again, thanks to our patrons, thanks to all our listeners, but especially uh, our exec producers, uh, Ross Barnett, Mark Brown and Robert McMillan. Colin, that was more fun than I thought it was going to be, but I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it too, mate. It's always it's always good fun talking to you, Jack. You're just such a happy, happy guy. The Care Bears have clearly got to you. <laughs> I get raped, but fuck, when I was young after a Care Bear, and that's why I'm so happy all the time. Right, guys, uh, as always, we will speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Fuck off. <laughs>